Hello, and welcome to the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. I'm your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. I've been studying the Tao Te Ching for just short of a year now, and have reconnected with a natural feeling of inner peace and contentment. I don't hold a doctorate, nor am I qualified to teach anything about the Tao Te Ching. I'm just an ordinary person who has experienced the wonderful side effects of following the Tao. Since everyone's experience with this wisdom is different, the only thing that I can hope for is that mine helps you to connect with a Tao in your own unique, personal way. Feel free to listen to each episode a day at a time, or anytime you need a quick Tao shot. You can listen while you're on your way to work, or after that, when you're winding down. It's always a good time to observe the Tao. In each episode, we'll do four things. One, we'll read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, I'll break it down into everyday language. Three, I'll share my own thoughts and experience. And four, I'll leave you with a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. Thanks for joining me today and enjoy this episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living. Verse 36 Harnessing Opposites It is the way of the Tao that, to reduce the influence of something, first, allow it undue influence. To reduce something, it first must be allowed to expand. That which will be torn down must first be raised up. This is the subtle way the weak can overcome the strong. A fish should not leave the water, and one should not display one's weapons. That's verse 36 of the Tao Te Ching, translated in the Tao of Rivenrock, a personal translation. Next, let's break it down. This verse has two parts to it, and will take each part one idea at a time. Part one talks about examples of this subtle way, or the way of the Tao, and part two talks about avoiding extremes by using the subtle way. So there's a couple of metaphors in part two uh, that we'll we'll work through once we get there. We talk about fish, we talk about weapons, and we talk about weakness and strength. Um, so those serve as sort of like a conclusion to the actual thing that we're observing in part one. So what is part one talking about? Well, it's talking about the way of the Tao. The way of the Tao basically says that, you know, there's always this ebb and flow to things. There's always this um, seemingly opposite states that we find things in, right? And as it turns out, according to Lao Tzu, that those seemingly opposite things are actually just one thing. Now, what we can do is we can recognize when and where we're at 
in those seemingly opposite states and move more towards the center. So just to kind of put that into context here, it says that the way of the Tao is to reduce, basically, if you want to reduce the influence of something, you have to allow it to have undue influence. (laughs) If you want to reduce something, then you have to first allow it to expand. Otherwise, it's just kind of there, right? And uh, if you need to tear something down, then you got to build it first. (laughs) So I think what we're getting at in part one is the idea that these are some examples that kind of emulate the way of the Tao. There's always this ebb and flow to things, right? Now, the second part actually starts to use metaphors um, to sort of highlight this or to illustrate those principles, right? Lao Tzu starts off by saying that, if you know, recognizing that this is the way things work, then this is how the weak actually overcome the strong with gentleness, sort of like water cutting canyons through mountains type of stuff. Right. And then the second thing that he says, which kind of seems a little out of context, but I suppose it, it works. Uh, once we think about it a little bit, a fish should not leave the water. Uh, okay. Obviously, right. Or else it, it doesn't, it doesn't live. Um, So what does that mean? It basically means we need to stay in the center. We don't need to necessarily go back and forth between extremes. That's not a requirement for us. We're we're the ones actually doing that. We're we're putting ourselves in different emotional extremes. And so we don't actually need to leave the center. We're the ones that kind of do that. And then the third thing that, that he mentions is one should not display one's weapons. And so, you know, you could look at this on a state level, like a, you know, like a nation state level. You can look at it on a, a country and our empire level, or you could look at it on a personal level. It's basically by showing your strength, you're giving other people goals to achieve <laughs> that, that eventually surpass or eclipse your abilities if you're not careful. Right. So those are some practical examples um, in part two. In the rest of this episode, we'll talk about how to kind of harness those things um, so that we can move and live more in the center. Okay, so let's go ahead and summarize. Uh, Let's remember that verse 36 has two parts to it. Part one starts off by telling us examples of the subtle way and part two talks about avoiding extremes by using the subtle way so let's put that back together i'll read verse 36 again it is the way of the Tao that to reduce the influence of something first allow it undue influence to reduce something it first must be allowed to expand. That which will be torn down must first be raised up. This is the subtle way the weak can overcome the strong. A fish should not leave the water, and one should not display one's weapons. Let's take a look at some of the things that this verse made me think about today when considering harnessing opposites. The first one is the subtle way. And the second one is using the subtle way to gain balance. 
the subtle way. Ebb and flow. Sometimes doing, sometimes resting. More than just opposites, these are states in which we find ourselves from time to time. There's an event. Then there's a time of reflection. A physical feat like a race. And then a period of physical recovery. There's a noise. And then silence. Remember how we talked about the Tao always being in motion? That's one of the principles I think Lao Tzu is building on in this verse. But he takes it a little further as far as human attributes are concerned. He talks about a time to expand and a time to contract, a time of strength and a time of weakness, and a time for influence and a time for none. Yes, at face value, it looks like we're just rehashing this idea of duality. If that's all I would immediately take out of this part of the verse, I'd be correct. There seems to be another message we can get out of this, however. Lao Tzu calls this the subtle way. That's in this translation. In the Lin Yutang translation, he calls it the subtle light. In other translations, Isabella Mears calls it concealment and enlightenment. And Stefan Stenod translates understanding the hidden. Cheng Lin says it's mere truism. <laughs> I think we could get a couple deeper meanings, in fact. One meaning, the one I came away with, was sort of a derivation of the verse that explained contentment. The one that said that the one who doesn't compete is not competed against. Remember that one? I took that plus this verse and thought, hmm, I need not experience such extremes in my life if I recognize where I'm at, examine its opposite, and if that's an undesired state for me, dial back the intensity with which I'm pursuing or giving attention to my current state. In other words, I am kind of consciously using the law of balance. For example, let's suppose that I'm feeling excited and happy. I've had an awesome day and all my feel-good buttons got pushed. In the intensity of the moment, I can remember that this too shall pass, and that while I can be present and enjoy the moment or day, I ought not attach to the feeling and say something like, This, yes, this feeling is what I want. This is how life should be. Or, I can find myself wanting to experience that day again sometime. Instead of saying, Oh, I wish things would be like they were that day, I can remember that what I thought was the way things should be is just me emotionally attaching to a particular aspect of life. In detaching, I may let go of the importance of that day or good thing that happened and realize that perhaps this isn't what defines reality. This is just another state, another expression of the always in motion Tao. The second deeper meaning expands on the one we just talked about, and this is from Shuang Tzu, as relayed by Lin Yutang in his book The Wisdom of Lao Tzu, page 192 in the 1948 version. Shuang Tzu writes, To take the phenomena of rise and fall, growth and decay, the Tao does not regard rise and fall as rise and fall. These are all leveled together by Tao. Division is the same as creation, and creation is the same as destruction. There's no such thing as creation and destruction, for these conditions are again leveled together into one. 
Okay. Yeah. So this seems to be drawing a wider net around our counterintuitive discussion <laughs> that a time of action and a time of rest are just different varieties of times for the Tao. That a time of happiness and a time of sadness are just different ways to describe an experience. So there are a few takeaways here. One, that we can use the subtle light to look for and work towards balance in our lives. That seeming opposite times are just different kinds of times for the Tao. It's only that importance that we place on them that makes them seem to matter. And the second thing is the implications thereof. That nothing we can experience eclipses the Tao. We are safely ensconced in its domain. There is really nothing either in our current forms or other forms, of which to be afraid. Using the Subtle Way to Gain Balance So far in different episodes of the podcast, we've touched lightly on the ideas of emotional security and financial security. In this section, I'd like to present my understanding of these concepts. You should know that they are an amalgamation of various books and programs I've read and practiced. If you'd like to know more about them, please send an email to dailydowlife at gmail.com. Here's the idea. Once we recognize that emotional security and financial security are operating in our lives, we can practice becoming aware of them, examining if they're keeping us out of harmony with the Tao, and then move into their seeming opposite direction to gain balance. So let's jump in. We all have basic wants. Defining wants as desires to experience a certain feeling brought about by external factors. Only the thing is that wanting something is not as good as having it. Wanting something, by default, puts us in a position where we are experiencing a lack of that which we desire. So for this discussion, I would consider having as wanting's opposite. Typically, the way we go about getting what we want is by acting with external energies to bring about a particular configuration of circumstances which produce a desired result. In other words, we look to other people, financial circumstances, and other things to give us what we're after so we can have our desired feelings. We seek to control external energies to provide us with approval from others and a sense of control. And this is what I like to call emotional security. I want to feel safely in control of my sense of well-being. And the patterns I have employed in the past are doing whatever I need to do to gain the approval of others and gain influence over them so that I can feel safe whenever I want. It might follow that the same wanting to feel financially safe is a thing. I have told myself that once I had a certain amount of resources or money, I would feel okay. I mean, it's nice to not feel like I need to worry about money, right? It's a relief, actually. But now a question. Would it make sense that I am wanting to feel okay and I allow myself to feel that only when I have the permission of others to feel that way or when I have enough in the bank to feel that way? Personally, I can answer a truthful yes to this question. That is what I did for the first 41 years of my life. And I'm 43 now, by the way. 
<laughs> in those short two years, I have since realized this. If I'm setting the conditions of my own contentment, I'll feel okay if so-and-so says I'm good, or I'll feel okay if I have retirement money on lock, then it must be true that I can set other conditions too. It might go something like this. I'll feel okay if I say I'm okay, or I'll feel okay being happy with what I have now. Finally, if the first two cases are true, and I can feel okay when I give myself permission, then perhaps, just maybe, I can feel okay simply because I'm okay. Like, there's no need to put off or make my feeling of okayness conditional. The Dow certainly doesn't set conditions on my contentment. <laughs> I, I do that. Are you tired of feeling not okay? If you are and would like to feel okay without condition, I invite you to practice setting permission aside and just doing it. Now, like the Tao that cannot be named, I can't just intellectually know this and it's all good. No, I must practice awareness and active abandonment of this destructive tendency by consciously looking elsewhere in order to experience it. So now that we've got this wanting of emotional and financial security idea put together, let's consider how we can use the subtle light now to gain balance. Lao Tzu says that it's better for fish to stay in the water and for weapons of state to remain hidden. So, uh, fish and emotional security. <laughs> Dude, come on. What's, what's up with this? Well, okay, so, uh, I, th I think we can reconcile here. Okay, so let's consider another line. That which will be torn down must first be raised up. In other words, you can't have humiliation, which is different than humility, by the way, without having first had prestige. In the same sense, if weapons of state are on display, it gives other states goals to achieve, namely a one-upping of efforts to gain more power. Or maybe even keeping up with the Joneses. So that's on the state level, or even in the neighborhood level. But what about the personal? We could say something like, those who feel approved of and in control must first have felt insecure and out of control. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Can you imagine feeling emotionally secure if you were on a deserted island? Can you imagine feeling financially secure there? I can't. And the reason is because there are no people there to prove that I'm emotionally okay and money doesn't really work in a financial system of one, does it? So we can realize that it is our relationship to others that provide this contrast of security and insecurity. It is therefore our reactions to the people around us that make us feel this way. So... If I feel emotionally secure, it means that at some point I must have felt emotionally insecure with other people, which means that at some point I bought into the idea that other people are the cause of my happiness. So I'd like to pause and remember that while others are so important for us, there's a reason why, at least for me, and it's not because they provide for my emotional well-being. I need other people to help me learn and experience the Tao. I must see myself in relation to them. My relationships with others help me grow. The concept of emotional security then becomes moot, doesn't it? 
because they're not responsible for my emotional well-being. I am. Further, if I want to feel secure, it must mean that I don't have that feeling. It must mean that I somehow started believing that other people hold the key to my emotional and financial security. It must mean that I am choosing to postpone feeling okay because I think I have to wait for permission from myself or others to feel okay. In this case, keeping the fish in the water means never having to leave, leaving caused by believing in the lies that I need approval from others and I need to be in control. Just as there's a difference between wanting and having, there's one between needing and wanting, isn't there? So if I avoid wanting, I basically stay in the water as a fish in my natural state. To begin practicing the lesson of the subtle light then, I can start by reminding myself of these things. I don't need emotional security. I want it. I don't need financial security. I want it. If I want emotional security, it must mean that I don't have it. Same with financial security. If I want it, I am telling myself I don't have it. Does the Tao not provide for everything tirelessly and always? I don't have emotional security or financial security because the Tao does. I am provided with all that I ever need. My wants or false needs for those things is something that I have chosen to manufacture and to buy into. Sure, I may have been taught this in childhood and I may not see the world in any other way, but that doesn't mean it's true. So if you're still with me on this, I'd like to thank you. In the next section, we'll dip our toes into practicing awareness of when we are in want using our trusty barometer, agitation. (laughs) Before we do that, let's go ahead, wrap up, and remember that there are two things we can think about when considering the principle of harnessing opposites. Number one is the subtle way. And number two is using the subtle way to gain balance. For the final piece of this episode, let's consider how we can apply the principle of harnessing opposites in this verse today. I'm going to ask you to think about the past days, weeks, months, maybe year. I'm going to ask you to look for times where you've been agitated. Times when you might have experienced something that until today is yet unresolved. During this exploration, you may feel like old feelings have been dredged up, and that's okay. Although, I will say that you shouldn't do this with any events that have been deeply traumatic for you. You should seek the guidance and help of a professional to work through those things with you. But if you're okay with just looking at some things that might just be hanging out there, little things, I'll invite you to use these feelings to do a few things. Number one is to become aware of our emotional wants. Number two is to realize that we were really just looking for that which we already have because the Tao provides. And number three, to solidify our realizations by sharing them with a trusted friend. As you listen to this part, I'd encourage you to take a few notes and share them with a trusted friend once you've explored your feelings. It's important to explore our feelings, and it's also important to share them with others. 
I have found that it is this look inside, share outside motion that emulates the Tao and gives me a more holistic peace. When sharing with a friend, I recommend that you just ask them to listen. They're not there to justify your feelings or tell you that you are right to feel a certain way. They're there to hold space for you so that you can process your realizations more deeply. So let's get quiet now. Let's take a moment to listen to our breathing. Become aware of it. How it feels coming out of our bodies. And flowing back in. Over the past two weeks, has there been anything that occurred that you're still feeling angry, unsettled, or fearful about? What about the past month? Or what about the past year? Your immediate response may be to say that there is nothing there, and that's normal. Perhaps there isn't anything. Also, perhaps it turns out that maybe there was something. Maybe little or annoying. Sometimes for me, I like to think about the people that are closest to me in my life. They're always excellent sources of agitation. (laughs) They're my teachers after all. Now, let's review what happened. Ask yourself, what did that person do or say to me? Just jot down a few bullet points. Ask yourself now, how did I feel in reaction to that? The next thing we'll do is ask ourselves if that feeling affected our emotional security. Did what that person say or do affect our sense of well-being? How? Did it agitate us to the degree that we felt unsettled for some time after that? Did that stir up a little annoyance or even anger that the other person kind of came along and messed with our chill? Now that we think about it, Does it still stir up feelings of needing to be right? Setting things straight? Or are we tending to feel like we were perfectly justified in our actions? That if that person hadn't mentioned or done anything, the world would have been just fine. Can we see that in this moment of agitation, when things or people didn't follow our way, that we were really just trying to maintain our sense of emotional balance? And that the situation or person seemed to have made that really hard for us in the moment? Can we see that in that moment, we were experiencing a want for emotional security that went unfulfilled? Is there a little feeling of agitation now that you're experiencing because of this unfulfilled want? If so, you have become aware of your wanting to feel emotionally secure. Remember earlier that we talked about the difference between wanting and having? Ask yourself now, 
Would it be better to want emotional security or to have it? If it's better to have it, let's look inside for a time when you have had emotional security. How about now? Do you have it now? Or maybe earlier in the day? Did you feel emotionally safe at some point? If so, why? Was anything happening outside of you that made you think this way? Or was the feeling simply there? The feeling was simply there. Know that this is always the case, even when you feel that someone or something is impinging on your ability to feel it. Usually, I have found that I am the one that is responsible for messing with my own chill or emotional security by worrying that I won't look good or that the other person is wrong or that something bad is going to happen as a result of something I'm feeling in the moment. So let's go back to that agitation we talked about. Can you sense in the moment that your agitation was really caused by you wanting things to be okay versus things already having been okay? Can you look at the other person or situation and observe that without judgment, seeing it as something that simply occurred, something that, according to the Tao, wouldn't be particularly evil or particularly good? According to our interpretation of this verse today, can we see that this was a past example of just the way of things? Could it be possible that there was nothing inherently wrong with the situation, that we were the ones that made it wrong with our judgment? If we were to be in that situation again, could we allow it to be as it is and forget about it as soon as it had occurred? What would that look like? Play the scenario in your emotional mind's eye for a moment and just consider what it would have looked like had you still felt emotionally secure doing it. And now for the best part, hold that agitation in your heart for just a moment longer And now open your hands and realizing that you were the one putting it there, just let it go. Allow it to dissipate. Allow yourself to remember that you created this agitation by wanting and not getting. And if you have the power to have created it, then you have the power to let it go right now let it go feel free to yawn or to take a nice cleansing breath and remember that if you're comfortable to share this with somebody somebody like a friend someone whom you can trust Someone who will hold space for you, not justify or not rationalize with you. Just a friend in whom you can confide. So that's pretty much the exercise. 
We talked about a lot in this episode. And if you're still with me, I'd like to thank you for your attention. Self-examination is an uncomfortable, sometimes seemingly pointless exercise at first. In fact, I have called it, quote, annoyingly probing <laughs> in, the, in the past. I have found, though, that when I do look at myself, I gain a wonderful visibility that helps me to avoid further agitation in the future. With practice, of course. So we had to look at this verse today and discovered that there is this whole ebb and flow of things. Then we saw that for one thing to be true, its opposite must have first been in place. We thought about how this might apply to feelings of security. And then we took a look at how we could sidestep the effort of swinging to extremes by remaining in the center with a little self-examination. We looked for times when we were subtly setting ourselves up for later agitations. And finally, we asked ourselves what life could look like without those agitations, and perhaps learned a new way to live in harmony with the Tao. Today, we considered the principle of harnessing opposites. To close out this episode, I'll leave you with a final reading of verse 36 of the Tao Te Ching, Translated in the Tao of Revenrock, a personal translation. It is the way of the Tao that to reduce the influence of something, first allow it undue influence. To reduce something, it must first be allowed to expand. That which will be torn down must first be raised up. This is the subtle way the weak can overcome the strong. A fish should not leave the water, and one should not display one's weapons. Thanks for listening to an episode of the Tao Te Ching for Everyday Living with your host, Dan Casas-Murray. This podcast is for the Tao curious, those looking for a random bit of wisdom once in a while, or for those who want to dive into this wonderful teaching. In each episode, we do four things. One, we read a verse of the Tao Te Ching. Two, we break it down into everyday language. Three, we discuss my own thoughts and experience with the Tao. And four, we look at a couple of the many ways you can put the Tao into practice for yourself. That's pretty much how I've been practicing the Tao every day. By listening to Lao Tzu, reflecting on his words of wisdom, listening to other comments, and trying to practice them in everyday life. I'm pretty sure that as I learn about and experience more of the Tao, all my thoughts and lessons will change. I wish the same for you as you grow along your journey. If you found something meaningful in this podcast and would like to discuss it with others, I'd like to encourage you to subscribe to the subreddit Taoism. That's reddit.com slash r slash Taoism. Also, I'd invite you to share this podcast with friends if you think it would benefit them. As always, I wish you love, compassion, and peace. Thanks for listening.